0: listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org.
1: That was a gift. Um, Welcome. I'm Bill White, uh, and this is City Church of Long Beach. Grab a seat. And welcome to our friends who are on Zoom. We are glad to have you with us today as well. Um, Yeah, so City Church, we're a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's that's who we are, and it's kind of who we're living into, and it's kind of what we want to see in our world, right? Um, Being welcoming, being community, uh, joining in this spiritual journey, seeing the world renewed, uh, made right. Uh, That's what we're about as a church, and we're really glad that uh, that you're with us. So I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church, and it is a gift to worship with you today. So um, we want to give a special orientation, folks who are new. We have new folks every week at city church. and uh, the most important thing you need to know is where the bathrooms are, right And it's important. So there is a bathroom right inside the auditorium up those little steps to the left. And there are a couple of bathrooms out here as well. Uh, this brown door is uh, another bathroom. So if you need a bathroom, that's where they are. Um, and then we really like to pray for our kids because we think kids are awesome. So uh, if there's a kid near you, feel free to um, love on them, and let's pray. God, uh, what a week to pray for kids. Uh, we thank you for these little ones, and we ask your, your favor on them and your protection on them and on this school and on all the schools in our nation. And our hearts cry out to you, God. Uh, God, have mercy on us. We need you. We need you. Bless these little ones today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So kiddos, if you want, there is kids ministry this way with some super fun people that you can go and hang out and have a great time. And I want to welcome our other fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. (laughs) She loves it when I do that.
0: say, wow, that felt like something. (laughs)
1: She she wakes up in the morning just looking forward to... uh...
0: (laughs) I I just, I love attention. I really do.
1: Um, so we are in a sermon series right now called Complicated Jesus. And we are recognizing that many of us, maybe most of us, have a complicated relationship with Jesus because all real relationships are complicated. And so we want to just sort of acknowledge that up front. And some of us here are new and are just sort of checking out the whole Jesus thing and that's great too. want to let you know if you, want to get to know jesus it will be complicated right so we're just gonna talk about that little reality (laughs) yeah just a little reality check on the front end here um and so today so we've been looking at some different passages that have been suggested by you so we did a little poll we asked people like hey what are your favorite and least favorite passages um about jesus and let's look at those honestly um and that's been really fun We've had a nice time, and uh, we've we've had some awkward Sundays, and we've had some other Sundays that have been really delightful. So today we're we're cutting in one of those passages again. This was suggested as someone's favorite passage. Okay, uh, last week's was someone's favorite and someone's least favorite, right? Which is fine too. But say this this week is a sort of a favorite passage, and I'd like to think of it as as sort of a highway, like and. And this is like the main road when it comes to like seeing who Jesus is, and there are a lot of side roads, and it's important to look at the side roads, the side roads can teach you lots about who Jesus is, but this is sort of the main like, this is the road that Jesus says like hey, this, this is nice, big, wide, this will give you a clear sense of, of what I'm all about. So that's our passage today. Uh, It's it's traditionally known as the feeding of the 5,000. And our friend Arturo Macias is going to read scripture for us. So Arturo, come on down. (laughs) Love that guy. Oh, and traditionally around City Church, we stand in honor of God and God's word. And if you're on Zoom, you can stand on your bed if you'd like. You don't have to, though. That's really
2: optional. Good morning, City Church. This morning, we are reading from the scripture of Mark, chapter 6, verses 32 through 44. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of a hundred and hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and his disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
0: Thank you so much. We gave you a long one too. It's kind of a long passage. So I love how uh, Bill suggested that we see this as sort of a highway. There's this sense of, you know, some of the passages that we've been looking in this sort of, especially the passages where we like, I don't know if I like this one. I don't know if I like this passage about Jesus. This makes me a little uncomfortable. This makes me a little nervous. There. It's not that they're not real and they're not important. They are. In some ways, they're sort of the things that sort of like flesh out a character, right? It's like the difference between when you watch a TV show and you have like the traditional like Mary Sue character, right, where she's just kind of flat, just kind of two-dimensional, a little too perfect, a little bit too, it's, it's nice to see the complexity. It's kind of like, yeah, there's some reality here. There's a full depth, complicated human being in this character. And so a lot of the complicated Jesus stories we've been looking at have been that. It's been sort of like just understanding some of the nuances to who Jesus was and and what he was about and how it all kind of came together. But a story like this is just, it's the basics. It's sort of the broad strokes of who Jesus is as a person. And when you think about what you want from Jesus, the Jesus who you've always kind of wanted, the Jesus that you actually want to spend time with, the Jesus that actually brought you here to church this morning because you're thinking, yeah, this is the Jesus I actually want to know, that Jesus I actually need in my life. There's a good chance that the word compassion used in this passage would be a big part of that. This Jesus who looked at this big crowd of people, this crowd who I was... I've kind of got a little stuck this morning, like reading the passage over again and go and I was just trying to figure out the logistics of it. Like Jesus gets all of his people in a boat to go across to a solitary place, right? And so you got to think that like that's kind of like the straight shot. Like I think of using boats as being like the thing that's going to get you there faster, right? Like you're, you're trying to make it easy. And so he gets his people in the boat to go over and the people on land are so motivated that somehow they like they go the long way around and still beat them there i mean that's how motivated they are to be with jesus that they're running and so so jesus like gets out of the boat right when he's been expecting solitude and maybe because i'm an introvert i'm projecting but i'm like when i want my solitude i want my solitude and somebody who gets in the way i might get a little frustrated but jesus gets out of the boat thinking this is going to be a time of solitude. And instead is met with these, you got a picture. It's like this horde of like dirty panting people, like almost like they just finished a marathon or something. Right. Except nobody has greeted them with juice and bananas. Right. They're just, they're here and they're waiting and they want from Jesus and and there's need pouring out of them. And that Jesus response is not mine of frustration. But it's compassion, that that's what flows out of him. So I want to think a little bit about this word compassion and what it really means. Um, i don't know if any of you have have spent any time over the last year trying to to think about and grow in self-compassion but i i, I have it's been a little bit of a necessity in my life uh, and so i immediately went to it's a, kristen neff is one of the big kind of researchers and writers in this area these days and and this is her definition for compassion the compassion literally means to suffer with there's a basic mutuality in the experience of suffering and the emotion of compassion springs from a recognition that the human experience is imperfect. I actually want to say that that phrase again. It springs from a recognition that the human experience is imperfect. So Jesus gets out of a boat and he looks at these tired, dirty, sweaty people who've just once more And he says, yep, that's about right. That's what it's like to be human. That's what it's like. And I know that, that emotion, I know that hurt. I know that loneliness. I know that need. We're told in scripture that Jesus represents a leader, a high priest who's, who actually knows what it's like to be like us because he had this full humanity himself. And so I just think this morning, maybe it's because of the the religion I was handed as a child, uh, the way that spirituality was presented to me. But sometimes it's like I think God is surprised by my imperfections, surprised by my limitations, surprised by the ways I screw up, surprised by the way sometimes you know the the negative stuff, the anger, or the jealousy, or the whatever it is that it comes out of me that he would be surprised by that. And what this passage says to me is that, no, G- Jesus, God, they kind of, they expect it, right? This is the human experience and they know it. And these times when we, we have these emotions and we have these limitations and we, all of these things, it's just, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And, and it actually isn't surprising to Jesus and it doesn't put him off he doesn't wrinkle his nose he doesn't need to you know start lecturing or shaming it actually draws him towards us some of you may have had this experience maybe there's a child in your life whether your own uh, niece nephew nibbling um whatever a, a child in your life and they mess up It's endearing. You don't get angry. You want to gather them in. You want to help them out. Maybe, maybe teach them a little bit, but not in a way that, you know, smacks them down, but in a way that lifts them up. This is compassion. I remember when I was that little, I remember that wound. I remember that feeling and I love you in it. Haven't we always wanted that? This is the Jesus that we want, the Jesus who is compassionate. And this morning, we just have to acknowledge that sometimes it's not the Jesus that we've been presented with. And even as we think about our last week and some of the things that have happened in our world and what's been difficult, challenging, painful, Brought up questions and doubts. It hasn't so much been about Jesus, but the people who have presented Jesus to us. And so I think about one of the largest denominations in our country and the report that came out about sexual abuse amongst its leaders. And yet we're not sure Okay, that doesn't present the compassion of Jesus towards his people and the complicity of religion in gun violence and a toxic gun culture in our country. And that doesn't seem to present the Jesus that we've wanted. And so we just get to sit with that a little bit and mourn it. The Jesus that we see in scripture is often so different from the Jesus we experience in the church. And as people, I think there's a lot of grief and some anger there. And as, as leaders, as a leader myself, I just feel like I need to say, I'm sorry.
1: Thanks, Brenda. I appreciate that. So we end up seeing Jesus here, uh, he, he chooses sides. He chooses sides in a, in, a, in a couple of ways. One is he, he chooses sides with, with the poor, the hungry. Those are the people that he identifies with, that he serves, that he cares for, that he spends time with. You get the sense that those are the people he enjoys, people who have not had it easy. Um, but also, Jesus also chooses sides around, around what story, he's going to claim for himself right so there had been many scriptures written up to this point so the hebrew scriptures had been in the possession of the the jewish nation for for hundreds and hundreds of years right and there were um within that so we typically call that the old testament as as you read these scriptures like there are different things that you could highlight right there are different ways that you could go about it different things that you could emphasize and Jesus makes a choice about that. I want, I want to read um, a, a, a passage from Rachel Held Evans. She's sort of one of the patron saints, so to speak, of our, of our little church. Um, but she talks about this, how, how people go to the Bible and they make choices about what God's like by what they focus on. And it's what Jesus is going to do too. But listen to this. This is from Rachel Held Evans. She says, if you go to the Bible and you're looking for verses, with which to support slavery, you'll find them. If you're looking for verses for which to abolish slavery, you'll find them. If you're looking for verses with which to oppress women, you'll find them. And if you're looking for verses with which to liberate and honor women, you will find them. If you're looking for reasons, reasons to wage war, you'll find them. And if you're looking for reasons to promote peace, you will find them. If you're looking for an outdated, irrelevant, ancient text, you'll find it. And if you're looking for truth, believe me, you will find it. And she's pointing out this idea that we all come to the Scripture with certain lenses that we look through, with certain agendas that we bring to the text. And Jesus does the same thing. And what he does is he he pulls out of the Scriptures certain things, and he situates himself right there. He says, this... Is how I'm going to be defined. It's these passages that I'm going to call to mind. It's these priorities. Like, this is what God's like. And you see him over and over again teaching about this, acting this out. And so, for example, when he pulls out the greatest commandments, right, this was not sort of common knowledge. There are a lot of commandments in the scriptures, right? There are like 621 of them. He pulls out two. He says, love God, love people. These are the greatest commandments. And he, and he comes back to them over and over again. He harps on those, right? I mean, he's, he's saying, look, this is, the, this is the story that I'm a part of. This is what I see. This is what God is like. And he's doing it in this specific passage in some very sort of um, telling ways. Right? He's, he's, he's making it really clear. So when he sees the passage, the, when he sees the people, he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And in another, uh, in one of the other Gospels, he, he talks a little bit about shepherding the people and, and things like this. So he's starting to use that language. And then it says that he had the people sit in groups on the green grass. And what's interesting is if, if you look at in the Gospel of Mark where this is written, or even in Matthew and Luke, John, you don't see the word green ever. This is the only time it comes up. And you never see orange. You don't see yellow. You don't see purple or blue. or right. You don't see these other colors. You just see green, and it only comes up here. And you think, that's weird. Why is that? And then you remember that he's having people sit down on the green grass. And they're sitting there beside these still waters of this lake. And he's shepherding the sheep. And there are all of these references in this passage back to the most famous of all the the prayers of the people of Israel, the Psalms, these, these songs that they sang and prayed. It's called Psalm 23, and perhaps some of you know it. And it starts off in says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right, at the end of this passage it says, they no longer wanted, they were full, he makes me lie down in green pastures, sitting down in the green grass, beside still waters, Right, and he goes on. And so you realize Jesus is choosing. He's making a choice. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what God like. You see it by the kinds of scriptures he chooses to focus on. And you see that he, right here in this passage, he's saying like, ah, this, is who, this is me, the real me. I don't, I don't care what people have told you that, that I'm like. This is me. This is my heart. I'm the good shepherd. I see you. I feel you. I love you. I'm full of compassion for you.
0: I love that. And, uh, you know, sometimes people ask how we do this co-preaching thing. And we just start out by talking. And when Bill and I were just like talking over this passage and he started talking about these connections with Psalm 23, I went, whoa, (laughs) I had never seen that before. I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, so I, I also think it's really interesting, and and it was another thing just as we were talking about this passage. Um, so we're like, we've been talking for a little while now, right? And we told you that we were preaching on the feeding of the five thousand. Have we talked about the feeding of the five thousand yet? We haven't even gotten there, like, until we sat and we looked at this passage. I had not actually even connected these two stories in my head. These were two distinct stories. There was this time where Jesus looks at his people and says, wow, you know, my my heart is full of compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. That was one story. And then there was this story over here where Jesus feeds them. And this was like it was kind of like a whoo, they're the same story. And somehow these two things are connected. And here's why I think that's cool. Um, well, it's a little bit revelatory and then also cool, because I think that's what we do. Because in one of these stories, Jesus has compassion. And so he sits down and he starts teaching them a setup up kind of like here this morning, right? Like, because isn't that what you do when you love people and you're a great rabbi, a great teacher? You sit and you teach them and, and you do all this like spiritual stuff and you think about what do they need to know? What do they need to believe? Isn't that what church is about? And then there's this other separate story where Jesus notices that they're hungry and he actually wants to kind of take care of their bodies. Like that was kind of how I had it parsed out, right? Like these are two different things. But in fact, to look at it and say like they're two stories is to say like Jesus is saying they both matter. They both matter and he actually does both things. Both of these things are an expression of his compassion yeah you're like sheep without a shepherd and so sit down there's some things i want to tell you there's some things i want you to know i want to speak to your heart i want to speak to your soul and because you are like sheep without a shepherd and i have compassion i notice you're hungry you're hungry you actually have physical needs and you're actually a whole unified human being not separated into like spirit that matters and body that kind of doesn't is kind of lesser, but you're, you're actually all of these things all together and all of this is Jesus expression of compassion. So I actually, you know, as I look at it, I think it's kind of funny. So Mark, who is the writer of the story that we're reading today is just a very action oriented person. Some people love reading through the book of Mark just because it's like it's all that sort of like like when you write a script or you write a book a lot of times the advice that you get is show don't tell right like don't tell people oh that this is such a nice funny character like have them be nice have them be funny. Right if you have to tell them it doesn't matter so mark is very active and it's all descriptive and so there are all these places in the book of mark including this one where we'll notice that he says well Jesus taught them many things. But he doesn't tell us what they are, right? It's just like, he just kind of zooms on, right? But now let's get to the good stuff. Now let's get to the part where he feeds them, right? Let's move over because there's this sense of like, let's actually see What Jesus is teaching by how he puts it into action and so he'll record you know what Jesus is teaching if it's part of the action like he's in a confrontation with religious leaders. Now mark is going to take the time to like share a couple sentences, but it's not these big long sermons like you get in some of the other Gospels. Right where you can actually so it's almost like we have to go to the other Gospels to picture what was Jesus actually telling the people as they sat there after their big run and their blood sugar was sinking lower and lower and lower, right? And their stomachs are starting to rumble, we actually have to go to the other book and go like, Yeah, I wonder if he like lots of preachers, what if he had some sermons that he liked to recycle? Right? And so maybe he's telling them
1: talk about yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I can imagine he's there saying, hey, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek. And maybe he's talking with them about how the kingdom of God is at hand and and the oppressed are going to be lifted up and the prisoners are going to be set free. And he and these words matter. He is a rabbi. He is a teacher. But but we're going to miss something if he talks about like the oppressed being set free and he doesn't actually fill some hungry bellies. Right. So in the book of James. Uh, there's this, this great line where James is basically saying in James 2, like, what good is faith without deeds? It's a similar thing where we're saying, like, okay, it's not just enough to focus on the beliefs and the words and the teachings. Because if you really believe that, it should flow out into actions. And if somebody's actions are different than what they say they believe, which one are you going to trust? It's the actions, Right? I'm going to look at your actions whatever you say your words mean nothing unless they align with your actions and so it's so ironic right that he he sits down he teaches them he's been doing this for a while and then he says hey guys talking to his friends the people are hungry and they're all like yeah that's not our job is it i think they might have missed the point they just might have missed it and so jesus challenges them and they all eat and they're satisfied. And it's, it's a whole big thing. And yet we're not actually spending as much time on the feeding today as we are just saying like, look, it's all together. It all matters. Jesus' compassion is for your whole self. It's for this whole community. One of the ways that we try to lean into that uh, as a community ourselves, um, is that when we think of our leaders, we're starting to think of them in two particular ways the traditional words for thinking about church leaders have been elders and deacons and instead we're thinking about having these two teams that make up our board that we call the connectors and the developers and it's this way of kind of saying yeah there, there are sort of these two different areas that generally speaking kind of like mark mark was more of what we would call a connector he has this tendency towards the practical The act of the action and saying, yes, some people are more geared towards that, towards the deeds. And some people are a little bit more geared towards the spiritual care and the teaching and the sitting down with people and just having coffee with them and listening and how's God working in your life and, and kind of counseling them. And by having two teams and saying, let's work together, there's a way of us trying to say, like, yeah, they both matter and we don't want to forget one for the other. We don't want to just focus on the spiritual and not actually care that people are hungry and hurting. And we don't want to do so much over here that we forget, Like, and people's spirits matter too, and how they're growing and how they're developing, and that all of it matters. And so this morning, we actually have the privilege we're going to hear from a few of our leaders uh, and get to hear a little bit about what it looks like uh, in their life to be compassionate.
1: Yeah, so Serena Bakru, uh, wherever you are, we come on down. So welcome, Serena. (laughs) I love the t-shirt. Fantastic. So Serena is on our connection team, and uh, recently ordained and installed here as one of our board members. We're super grateful for you. Thank you. Um, So tell us a little bit, like how long have you been around City Church? Why are you here? Just in a little snippet.
3: Uh, Been here for about four years. Seems like a long time. Um, Here with my family, with our two kids, and we just loved it. We found you guys on Yelp and had great reviews, and still. Feel those
0: reviews. Best way to find yes. a church.
3: Good
0: times.
1: <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So.
3: Yeah.
1: Great. Um, and so you're on the connection team, which is kind of like, you know, connecting with people right where they're at and, take, and helping them with some of their practical stuff. Um, tell us a little bit about your own background. Why? Why was that a fit for you? And maybe a little bit like what you do with that. Mm-hmm. So a little, little bit of your own story and a little bit how, how it works out around here
3: yes so um i grew up in a single parent home um my mom and me and my brother uh, we struggled a lot my mom had to work multiple jobs but in the very beginning when we were young um, we were homeless we were just out on our own we didn't have a lot of support my grandparents were immigrants and they really struggled financially um, and so we really looked to the church a lot um, for support And it was actually um, the pastor and his wife who took us in, my mom and my brother and I, and we lived with them for about almost a a year, actually. Yes, and so with them taking us in, just feeding us the word of God, feeding us with actual food, with shelter, yes, everything. Um, that's, That's kind of like the foundation really lifted my mom up, got her back on her feet, and um, we were able to find a home on our own. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's uh, that's amazing. Thanks you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, and so you've done a little bit with a couple of ministries around City Church, but mm-hmm. tell us in particular about uh, Food Team and why you did it and what it was like.
3: Yeah, so the pandemic came, <laughs> um, and there was an opportunity. Um, my husband and I, uh, we... We just wanted to see how we could help with the church. Um, we knew that the church has really had helped us, especially with me growing up. Um, and we have two small kids, ages eight and six, and you know, just really wanting to instill those values of giving and um, being grateful for what we have. And so, when we heard that you know there were a lot of families in our community who needed support, um, it was kind of a no-brainer like yeah let's let's see what we can do here um and so we went grocery shopping we were able to you know load up a truck with our kids and you know once a week we would deliver to at least two families sometimes three to be able to you know and for our children to see that and be a part of that um, was just really meaningful to us too but you know to have families come out and receive these bags of groceries was just it was just amazing um, to feel that difference, and um, you know, I felt God really working. I, us. I, I yeah. can't tell you
1: how many times I would meet Serena or VJ or VJ and the kids or Serena and the kids, and the, our um, our food pantry was this uh, a neighbor's garage that they'd surrendered to the neighborhood, and the neighborhood kind of came around yeah. church and neighborhoods all together, and, and we, you know, for two years, um, yeah. and had over. Fifty families, primarily here from from Lafayette Elementary, um, that were recommended by teachers and the counselor, and uh, you know how many times did I see you in that alley, dropping <laughs> off stuff, picking up stuff, getting a yeah. new family, whatever. So, so great. Um, but thank you, thank you for sharing your story and just yeah. this picture of like, yeah, this is what it looks like. I, Jesus, this is what Jesus does for me through mm-hmm. the church. This is what I do with Jesus for the world because this yeah. is this is it. So, thank yeah. you.
3: Thank you.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks, Serena. Uh, we also want to invite up our friend, David Mercier, who is now part of our development team, which means he's focusing a little bit more on spiritual care and leadership in the church. Would you guys welcome David with me? You. Yeah. Yeah. David, you've been around City Church for a while now, right? Like,
4: um, I think I started coming in
0: 2016. 2016? Really? i think so like I don't, six I actually years don't remember. i'm like wow yeah i mean it's been a while um and you've been like you've led in all sorts of different ways for those of you who don't know like david is the one who makes us look good on instagram like as a church one of those little like behind the scenes sort of mm-hmm. things that you do that's super helpful uh for us um yeah so tell us just a little bit about your story and like how have you actually been cared for spiritually by Not necessarily even this church, but just in general with the church.
4: Um, Thinking back uh, when you guys asked me to speak, um, I think my first memory is uh, I grew up going to church off and on, but in high school, I started going to this really big youth group. and There was a a guy named Kyle who was a seminary intern at our church. and He uh, started picking me up from school once a week, taking me out to get a Coke and just spending time with me, and answering questions or checking in with me and we had just moved to Illinois from here so I didn't really know a ton of people and it was kind of it was he was one of my first friends that I felt like comfortable with and just I saw the time and the effort that I put into building a relationship with me and that that's like my first memory of the church caring for me
0: that's pretty awesome because it's like it wasn't something big and ornate right it was just yeah. picked me up from school and bought me a coke
4: yeah exactly
0: that's pretty incredible um how like you actually so I mean that was you as a kid you know Mm -hmm. older kid but a kid and a lot of your journey has actually been like you've done a lot in terms of trying to reach out to kids and help them feel loved like tell us a little bit about what that's been like for you
4: yeah so I studied elementary education in college and I went on a mission trip when I was a senior uh actually it was my second trip to Russia to work with orphans and um on that trip there was there's just like this free time happening and there was a little boy named Anton. he was like nine, I think at the time, and he wanted to go outside and throw a ball around. and I couldn't find my interpreter and he just said, like, no, we don't you don't need to interpret through someone else's interpreter. Um, like let's just go. And so we threw this ball back and forth for like an hour, just the two of us, and I knew like three words in Russian and he just, was having the most fun, you know. Like I was singling him out in these like 80 kids in this institution, just giving him time. And then later, I started working for this organization, and so I got to see him grow up. Um, and you know, like teenage boys, they don't really want to come to like missionary Bible classes or after-school programs. But this kid Anton, he would find me in the hallway and he'd come and talk to me. Or, you know, he was always like, he he always showed. Like that moment that happened when he was nine you know stuck with him throughout the years, and so that was just a really impactful thing for me to to see
0: that's pretty incredible, yeah, that you were actually able to see it over the course of like kind of his journey yeah. forward and i mean you I mean your own story, you remember it however many years yeah, later, right exactly. like a couple of decades at least i won 't say how many. Um, <laughs> So now you're actually you're part of kids ministry here at City Church because you help us lead kids Kids camp, camp. which were, you know, obviously in that season, but what has that been like for you?
4: You know, it's been really neat. So I used to work with a nonprofit that worked with kids and from, you know, like we would have donors and volunteers come and go through the through our programs and help and some people come back. You know a few years in a row but but nobody got to stick around but i got the i was just lucky enough to be able to i worked there for 16 years and so i was able to watch some of these kids grow up and you know some kids some kids will say like i remember making this like oriental trading craft 10 years ago with you know this lady named susan and just share those kind of like little moments that were impactful for them and so um that was just a blessing to be able to like, to be the one who gets us to be a part of or hear the, all those stories and so when the opportunity came f- to help out with kids camp it was like Serena said a no brainer to be like we could create those moments for kids here in Wrigley and just be a part of building the community through the kids here. yeah
0: yeah absolutely and i mean we do actually get to see that right like like there are kids who have like kind of aged out of kids camp who are like coming back like so how do i get to be involved now do i get to be a camp counselor do i get to like
4: yeah right or when we we haven't done it yet but like last year when we went to distribute the bags for kids camp at home kids were just like charging up to us like you know like it was chaos it was the end of the year of school and they still were like they want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah pretty awesome thank you for helping create those spaces yeah, and those connections of course really appreciate it.
1: In fact I, I see a couple of folks here, I see Brianna, hey, Brianna yeah, <laughs> she aged out she's volunteering for kids camp is that Teresa. Hi Teresa Teresa's aged out, but how old were you when you first came to kids camp. I, I was like eight years ago yeah, that was a long. What grade are you in? Now she's in ninth grade, right? And she's coming back. I mean, it's so beautiful, right? That's exactly what David's talking about. And Jesus actually has a line later on where he says, um, freely have you received? Freely give. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of the story. It's what you hear in Serena's story and David's story. And, and, you, and Jesus is kind of inviting the disciples, his friends, the churchy people to do that. And of course, they kind of miss it because that's what we do. But like, this is the way of Jesus. So Um, uh, we want to invite up our friend, Laura Lacombe, who's going to pray over